Hello and welcome to another episode of Leisure Time with Duncan and Jonathan. I'm Duncan. And, and I'm Jonathan. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about something that hasn't really seen a lot of, has not really been in the spotlight, so to speak, for the last, let's be honest here, about 20 years or so now. Um, yeah, 20 years, if not more so. Although it could also be because of the fact that we are no longer in the target demographic for this particular product line, so it might still be around in some form. We just haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, it may be under a different name. You know how things are in that situation. And the fact that the e-reader and audiobook industry has really come out, uh, has really changed things because, <laughs> especially with Audible being uh, the juggernaut that it has turned out to be, <laughs> And I don't think anybody at the company proper was expecting it to be the juggernaut that it's turned out to be, but you know, it certainly has taken hold. Yeah. And I would say ebooks, they they kinda have increased people's consumption of books. Like you're seeing people reading at a much quicker rate in their free time when they have it. Yeah, and it's awesome. Yeah, you're right. You have a couple of those. And, yeah, it's gone to the point where um makes you wonder. Now, there are... Now, we're going to be talking about the um, Great Illustrated Classics line. I don't remember who the publisher was, but it was mostly... But by the name, the name should indicate that it was 95% of it was public domain material anyway, because <laughs> clearly yeah, there were otherwise... that's, you know, part of the reason why it was so easy to obtain, because, like yeah. you say, a lot of the material was already in the public domain at the time. And there were a, a few exceptions, or like the Sherlock, or at least some of the titles we'll be discussing have been in the public domain for quite some time. <laughs> well, over a century by this point, I'm sure. Um, and 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 there were and there were a couple of exceptions, like I think the Hound of the Baskervilles got a release in that line. I forget. Um, but you know, that one is still under copyright. Well, you guys, um, Professor Doyle's. Estate is still um, in the hands of his descendants, so they still hold the copyright to Sherlock Holmes and the Lost and the original version of the Lost World, which was also given a release under that product line. If memory serves, I forget. <laughs> right, it's, it's it's a case of we haven't seen the respective books in at least two decades or so. Well, at least a decade in my case. I don't know about you. <laughs> I think we kept them around in boxes. It's one of those things where, you, where after a while you accumulate so much stuff that you don't know what you don't remember half of where you don't know what half of it is until you move. <laughs> right, and for many, the great illustrated classics of you kind of were a gateway to you know started to at least for our age group starting to read the unabridged versions of say clay. Yeah, and the fact that, in a way that, in the, the format, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, let's just break this down, okay. The format was, they had a little introduction, if memory serves, at the beginning, um, detailing the, and they actually had like a about, an author, about the author, the, well, the original author, not the, one who did the, um, for lack of a better wording, adaptation, because that's really what it was. It was, <laughs> it was, it was not the full right. original version. The source material, but it was, you know, truncated. Like it had to be, you know, it was fairly shorter than some of the unabridged versions you find, you know, at a local library or a bookstore would have. But at the same time, it was 
abridged in a way that was still coherent. It, it, if they cut out material, they didn't. They made sure that they linked what was there, so it was still understandable. <laughs> as far oh, as the plot sure. was concerned, some, some cases you had to, especially given the target demographic, sometimes yeah. you had to cut out certain things, like it's certain uh, plot elements that probably wouldn't have been as acceptable to, you know, say like. 10 to 12 year old let's just throw an example out there this is where we were which is where we fell when we were reading these primarily at least in my case i don't know about you <laughs> um yeah and then yeah and then my and my sister kai she made the mistake and jonathan you know this but this is for the benefit of the audience um she made the mistake of doing a battle of the books type test where um where she did it on the illustrate great illustrated classics edition of Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the smartest move because in that particular one, she found and that's when she found out just how much had been excised from the. That's when she finally came. That's when she finally got the. Um, that's when she finally realized just how much had been excised from that edition. Um to account for the fact that because to me that's one of the tamer classics you yeah. come around so it's not really as bad as say like Frankenstein's Dracula where it's darker but they still did those um yeah those were fun and and yeah I mean and, and she failed and she got like a, I mean she got what you'd expect she got about around a 50 50 out of 100 um because they because they really did cut out half uh they they kept most of the coherent plot elements were still there but they they what they were asking stuff about like what like the uh, like they excised the stuff about the uh, differences in island formation versus in the Pacific and the compared to the Mediterranean <laughs> right yeah they just and it's, the fact that, put it this way it was the what would be the equivalent to not quite cliff notes, but if YouTube were around at the time, I'm quite sure that's the version they probably would have used for, you know, at least for the YouTube kids section. At least for yeah, if they had, if Google had it's, done it's that, the shorter that version that you're actually going to be reading, and they cut a lot of it out. Yeah, um, yeah, especially if, like you said, for stuff like um. And they did have like Little Women comes to mind. Is they had that one, um, and I remember that one. I never personally um, bought it myself, but I definitely remember running into. It. Yeah, I mean that was. I mean, I mean with all the antics, I, I have. If I ever come across an unabridged version of that, I, it's been so long ago now. I've I've forgotten, but but. With that one, always tame. They did not include any of the um, adult theme stuff that you would expect from from that subject matter. <laughs> um, right. And, and in some ways, I kind of get it because remember the demographic. But at the same yeah. time, if you disregard the more adult elements of the book, then it's not really the book. You know, no. you're, you're cutting out the meat. Yeah, I mean, what was the old joke about how you had a, a clean version of a, of a um, Nelly song would be, like, two words? <laughs> or if you really want to be, and, and, 
joke about his album. He said, if Body Clean version of my album is really just 72 minutes and 14 minutes, I mean, 72 minutes and 14 seconds of silence. <laughs> because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And admittedly, he has come around and gotten cleaner since he became a parent. Uh, <laughs> but, um, that's true. Yeah, he's kind of. <laughs> he's uh, mellowed out over the years. Let's let that sink in. And with Little Women, you know, getting back to what we're talking about, with Little right. Women, that's one of those classics where you either came across it at some point or you just never bothered to read it. It's in a weird space. Or, like in your case, where you did come across it, but you still never pulled that trigger, <laughs> as far as, right. at least in this edition, anyway. The classics I gravitated to, both then and now, you know, tend to... Now, I softened up to, you know, Jane Austen in more recent years. I will say that. But the classics I gravitated to as an eight-year-old, or, you know, as a ten-year-old, Three Musketeers, Man in the Iron Mask, you know... Dracula, Frankenstein, nose type. <laughs> yeah, the um, <laughs> yeah, and Captain's Courageous is another one that you know. Oh, and I did not forget here. about Treasure Island. Can't yeah. do it because Treasure Island was one of my go-to. Yeah, I mean that one is is and that one that might have been one of the first ones we got. Uh, I I think pretty sure it was. And I recently got the uh, Barnes & Noble Classics Edition. Oh, actually, it was about a year ago now. I got that, and it's and it really is... Now, I mean, it really is. It really does illustrate a lot. Okay, now, back to... okay. Before we get down another rabbit hole, and yes, they did have Alice in Wonderland in it, too. Um, got that. Let's explain the basic format for how they actually publish this stuff. Okay. For... Okay. They were usually for those books where it was understandable, like um, Twenty Thousand Weeks Under the Sea comes to mind. They would have a map in the begin, either in the beginning or in the back of the book. I forget, or maybe it was in the um, pages that they cover. Right, was you, in, would, I you would know where the map was. Yeah, it was okay. usually a standard placement for your additional, you know, your classic. Because they would like they would show in this case the um the route that the Nautilus was following, um in her trip around the world, um or the or the oh that was the original plan is I think they got like three quarters of the way around because of right <laughs> fully around the world but they got close enough because they got stuck in that um giant whirlpool off the coast of Norway if memory serves were it was which is probably my favorite part of the book because that's just action packed parts twist yeah so. um but still um and then you also yeah and like you said. And, and and okay, and we have one page of text, and it would be a large print text, not um, not smaller print. I think it was like around a font size ten or eleven, depending on. Yeah, it was it was pretty large compared to what you might see in other books. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, so we got to that point, and um, and on the opposite page, um, you would always have an illustration of some scene that was either on the that was either on the page in uh, the page of prose in question or or somewhere or happening around it and it would always have a caption <laughs> on the right yeah I mean that's under part it. of the point. and 
for those who don't know, it had a very distinctive sleeve as well because the title of the book in question would be printed big red font. The yeah. author of the book in question. Well, the original author, anyway. <laughs> sort of black. It's hard to miss, is what I'm trying to say. Like, if you were yeah. scouring the shelf and just happened to come across it, you knew what it was. Yeah, alright, so we got that. It was still, I mean, it was, yeah, like I said, it was fun. It was like, it was like, Jonathan, you're fond of saying it's a gateway <laughs> series. Um,. And it was well, not really a series into it unto itself because of the fact that the um, you know, it was a hodgepodge of or sampling of different authors, different works, and in some cases there were several series that were given the tr- full treatment. Um, as or like I think the Alice in Wonderland and its sequels were given the full treatment as well as the Wizard of Oz in a couple of its sequels. That for that one. That makes perfect sense because anybody that's going into the world of Oz, it's not exactly the shortest series you can come across, not by a long shot. No, I think I, I actually looked it up on Audible just in the full, and they have a full collection and it clocks in at just under 70 hours. <laughs> and I can believe it. <laughs> yeah. it, It's interesting that you bring up the point of hodgepodge because yeah. with the film adaptation of the Wizard of Oz that's more or less what it is it's a hodgepodge of different works within the series and they skip over a few things I don't think a lot of fans know that it's a you know it's a hodgepodge it's a mashup of different you know works within the series yeah to the point where you know even the director's you know, I've, I've learned so much from another podcast where they say, you know, even the share of directors kind of switched up so frequently. It was just like, that was a hodgepodge went to itself. Yeah, I mean. So, for the great illustrated classics to kind of come along and be a hodgepodge of, you know, different authors, or sometimes, you know, if you get that pack of five, you didn't really know which installments are going to be in there. It was just like a... Yeah, it was like a like, random... So it's like chosen with a dartboard almost. <laughs> Sometimes makes you wonder... Yeah, it's just like somebody just... Grabbed dude, random ones up know, and win. I don't know why Packs of Fire was so popular at the time because a lot of series had that approach. Yeah, I mean, in some cases, like, like the Pendragon Adventure is an example because it, only, it has 10 installments where... They have since re-released um, the paperback editions in a little box set, which which makes sense. Um, they have the first five, and they have the last five. Um, then you have the little prequel spin-off type things that were originally released in paperback as well. Um, and they eventually had a box set for that. Um, and there's the sequel slash spinoff series, The Morpheus Road, which has since come out with a box set, I think. I haven't actually looked into it. Um, it's been long enough now that... <laughs> and, and I would say box sets nowadays make a whole lot more sense because, you know, they're telling a complete story. So, you know, Pendragon me is with two sets five. I get that. Yeah, and they actually... And now I'm in... And, yeah, and they are easily found that way. Um, and the same goes for, the, and this is one thing that that that, that when the 
movie came out for this one, and Jonathan and I went to go see said movie together. Um, when The Giver was given its 2014 film adaptation, someone in the marketing department finally said, hey, wait a minute, we should probably advertise the fact that there's sequels. <laughs> right, because neither one of us, you know, we, we thought The Giver was a complete story unto itself. You know, we didn't know yeah. that there were, you know, three other installments that make up a quartet. We had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly advertised. I mean, and this is also... And there's also the fact that one thing I never understood um, is that, especially because the fact that The Giver was always... was, was at least from our age group, I think it was probably still being taught today, it has become school study media, is what they call it, where they are... where, where it's required, uh, along with uh, To Kill Mockingbird, is another one that a lot of people tend to get in either middle school or high school, or junior high, depending on where you are. Some still call it junior high instead of middle school. Um, right. And we, what region of the country is it? Yeah. And you have a couple of those. Um, but yeah, it's still... Let's see, where, where was it? Great illustrated classics, they didn't have the same cohesiveness that I would say Pendragon Adventure had. It was just like, no. Oh, here, here go random five books. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was always a hit or miss because you could easily accumulate multiple copies of the same novel <laughs> or yeah, same could. or same yeah. anthology in the case yeah, of or another that stuff. Problem with the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew, same thing because yeah. you know that that was a little bit more flexible. But with the great illustrated classics, you very well could. Like you say, have two copies of the same book. But at the same time, it was popular enough that you would be like, um, it was almost like a counterpart in a lot of ways to Pokemon cards, where you would be, where you'd have people swapping them around <laughs> at lunch or oh, recess, or like, like, okay, I had two copies of Treasure Island. Who wants one? <laughs> Who got three Musketeers? Got one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. So I, I didn't get that in this pack. Can I trade? Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's always like, it's like it's also like comic books where um, <laughs> or they I mean, I mean the concept of the trade paperback is so novel, pardon the pun, um, that it really it makes it so much easier to accumulate, especially some of the rarer stuff that you get that are no longer in traditional print or haven't been in print for decades. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and I feel like used bookstores have really become a beacon for people that you know want to collect things that might have been out of print for years or you know if they want to get something at a cheaper price then the chain bookstore might offer that no disrespect to chains but sometimes sometimes you're on a budget sometimes you yeah. want to buy a newer title at a cheaper price than what they may offer it for yeah I mean and then of course and then going back to Audible I mean, it really is amazing what you can find on there, but there's also some stuff. There's also a lot of stuff where they don't, they don't have, especially because, um, because Audible adds up after a while, especially if you're getting some of the uh, more expensive stuff and you don't want to wait for your credits to accumulate. <laughs> sure, like can be, and being a reader is one of my most cherished hobbies, no doubt. Right. But it's not the cheapest hobby you 
accumulating like not by a long shot. Yeah, it's like, but still, I mean, but still, I mean, stuff like it's out of print or at least out of widespread print, um, like like the uh, Lensman series or um, or even sadly the Foundation series has really started to um, go out of more traditional print in favor of e electronic publication. I noticed that because it's a bit harder to find. I've been doing some research and I just had happened to you know look on different sites and I noticed it's a bit harder to yeah. come across it by traditional means anyway. Yeah, I mean, to the point that actually, um, to the point that I have accumulated the full run of the Lensman from uh, via Audible. And it, took a, it took a couple of months, um, but that's mostly because of the fact that I had so much other stuff going on that I was listening to it at work and I was, um, and the fact that I hadn't finished, um, and I haven't, and I haven't finished, um, and I actually started, I was actually going to do it again, but then I decided, no, I'm going to hold off on this for a bit. And, um, and then the school, and then the, and then the, um, local school system here in Memphis, they decided to end the school year outright <laughs> a quarter right. early. Like the local charter school district here that said, you know, okay, we'll just end it outright. Like we're we're trying to figure the best course of action. We think you know it's probably better just to you know close it outright. Just wait until the fall and. Or yeah, August, like, rather. Just let this be what it is. And, and play it by ear in August yeah. or September, whenever they decide to come back. Get back to, you know, the great illustrated classics. I would say, when you were younger, how long would it take you to read, say, one bow? Let's say, uh, Treasure Eyes and the Time Machine. How long would it take? That? Now, remember I was still in school, so there was homework and, um, and the like going on for the most part. I would say, on average, it would take a couple of days. It depended on what I was doing um, alongside that. Because I, as I did have... I, as that was not my entire life. And we also had... In the middle, it was basic cable, but we still had cable at that point, so... <laughs> yeah, you had a lot going. And, and, and my schedule was... Okay, I had school. You know, I had Special Olympics at the time, so that was right. taking up you know, a good portion of the time. So, on average, it would probably take me, you know, do one great illustrated classic volume would probably be on the weekend. Yeah. You know, I might take two or three days to read one because at the time, I had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, um, and I hadn't quite discovered how to speed read yet. I, I was working on it. I, you know, I was working on it, but even when I started to get into more unabridged classics, especially like Moby Dick, you know, that's not the smallest book you can get into. Yeah, especially once you realize just how much they excised, for lack of a better word. <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah, because when, when I saw the Grand Illustrated Classics, you know, it was a quick little read, but then when I saw the unabridged, I was like, wait a minute, what happened to the thin book? <laughs> This doesn't look like the same thin book I had before. <laughs> yeah. So, what is, wait, uh, who is this <laughs> character who was excised completely from the <laughs> abridged version? I read? <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of those. Oh, so this is this is what makes it different. Yeah. Yeah, because they were, you know, yeah, you had a couple of those. <laughs> 
There's also the fact that, for lack of a better word, yeah. And there's also the fact that I don't know. I, I haven't, if I ever read the unabridged version of this one, I, it's been long enough. I've probably forgotten. Um, but, but for the Great um, Illustrated Classics edition of Swiss Family Robinson, they did not include Mister Robinson's first name for whatever reason. <laughs> no, they did. They sure did. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. Unabridged version? I don't think so. Yeah. I think that might be one unabridged version I didn't quite get to. Yeah, and the and the Disney film version from the mid sixties, which is not on Disney Plus, unless it wasn't as of when I last checked it, when I haven't actually looked up that I haven't looked for it yet. So it might be on there. Um but they didn't it's just the one that I was familiar with. Um they did not have they did not mention any of their they did not mention either Mrs. Robinson's name or the father's name. They they mentioned all the kids' names, all the boys and young men. In, yeah, in case of I, I've State always been on that kind of weird. <laughs> now, Lord of the Flies. That that might be the one underbridge class that I got to at a young age. That that's one of them. I think. That, that might be the one case where I could say I prefer the film, you know, the black white film version to the book itself. I think that that might be the one case. Yeah, and there's also the fact that the, thankfully the um, attempted remake with an all American cast and updating the um, time period, as, as realistically, it doesn't really work unless it was in World War Two. <laughs> Because there's only so many ways you can justify that. I, mean, I, I, I get what they were trying to do, but I think the British adaptation works a whole lot better here. Yeah, I mean, to the point that the studio eventually pulled the plug when they realized just how much was going to be changed. <laughs> and they, they realized, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> yeah, so, no, we're not doing this. Now, what were some of your other favorite classes? I know I mentioned mine, but what were some of yours? Well, let's see. We we covered a couple of them. Uh, we already hit on a few of them. There was also um, there was also the Grimm's Fairy Tales and the um, Arabian Nights one. I think there was there might be one from there was at least one mythology based one. I don't remember. It might have been the Greek mythology. I forget, um, or it might have been something else we had. You know. Um, you know, at the time, Norse mythology was not exactly, I don't want to put this, mainstream. <laughs> right, it wasn't mainstream at that point. If you dealt with mythology, it was probably going to be great. Yeah. And to be fair, those are interesting stories. So I can see why, you know, a lot of, you know, English teachers in particular gravitated to it. Yeah. And then you had, um, yeah, because it took until um, around 2011 or so when um, when the Marvel Studios started doing their film adaptations of the Mighty Thor is when that mythology really took the world by storm right. on the bond. Yeah, you know, you're starting to see more Norse mythology themed things. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you had a couple of those. And, and there's also the fact that, as Jonathan and I have repeatedly discussed in other conversations we've had over the years, where, um, where Hercules, the legendary journeys, and Xena, warrior princess were, <laughs> um, at least in our households, where even though they were a bit, um, borderline with the, um, age appropriateness, we would still watch them on yeah, occasion. They they were walking on the same road, yeah. Especially the latter. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, my mama, you know, just happened to walk in one day when I was flipping through channels, and I just happened to stop them. You know, I wasn't like really watching it, but you know, you kind of get curious. Yeah, background noise. You're yeah, just wondering what it is. Yeah. Mom, boy, what are you watching? I said, I don't know. Turn it back to Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah. It don't look like Nickelodeon. Turn it back. <laughs> Although, giving the time slot, you probably would have you know, gone back to Friends or something. Like supposed to be. Yeah, it's like, yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, then you had a situation, um, yeah, you had a couple of those. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I mean, what we're talking about? Oh, yeah. And there are also a few things, um, and we're going to talk about this in more depth, but I think, but I think it's appropriate to bring up now. Um, it also had a few of the things like, um, like Arthur and, um, and they mentioned the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew earlier. And there's also, um, the Goosebumps, which we talked about in our last episode. <laughs> right, yeah, the Goosebumps series, you know, they were enjoying their time in the spotlight. Now, I feel like Wishbone as a TV show did a lot to kind of bring exposure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, especially, especially because at that time, classics weren't. At least for our age group at the time, they weren't considered cool books. You know, no, nobody was really, uh, unless you were, you know, a real book nerd, which, you know, at the time it wasn't cool to be a book nerd. No, it wasn't. It is now, you know, it's accepted now, but at the Some time, yeah. not so much. Yeah, Harry Potter changed a lot. Apple classic. Yeah, Harry Potter changed so much. I mean, to the point that when J.K. Rowling finally decides to hang up her um, typewriter or keyboard or laptop, whatever you want to, whichever wording you want to use, she needs to be given one of those lifetime achievement awards. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, my goodness. I mean, like you said, she, you know, the Harry Potter series kicked the door down and made it acceptable to say, hey, I like books. Here's the recent book I'm reading. Here's the series I'm into right now. Here's one I'm starting, you know. Yeah, especially. The, the whole BookTube community kind of, you know, the seed was planted. YouTube wasn't around when Philosophers and Sorcerer's Stone came out, but the seed was kind of planted for that. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's amazing that it was 10 years before YouTube and even, um, uh, and there were not, and there really wasn't any feasible way to do web videos at the time, um, <laughs> because broadband internet was still at least five years away from getting um, 
into a to to a point where it was cheap enough to it was affordable it was affordable broadband internet was not really feasible at the time because of the not really and, and I would say you know for great illustrated classics that's another uh, drawing you know that drew people in because they were affordable you know you couldn't always mm. get uh, on a bridge classic at an affordable price, but great illustrated classics you can find very easily. Yep. Now, Lady Miz, I don't think I ever came across as a great American classic. I think I didn't really get into Lady Miz until high school. Yeah, freshman year of high school. Well, considering the subject matter, it's really hard to do a child friendly version of that one. <laughs> I, I don't really think there is one. <laughs> if there is, I have yet to see one. I mean, they call it the Reign of Terror for a reason. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> or I was sort of been told in oh, history class. That's, man, Lake Miz is so depressing, it makes Hung Games look bright. Yeah. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Lake yeah. Miz is yeah. depressing. No brightness whatsoever type of story. It's a great story, no doubt. But I don't care how many times you uh, readapt that story, you can't you can't make it any brighter than it already is. It's dark. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let's see. Moving on. All right. Now, let's just shift gears for a bit here before well, let's wrap this up with um. We touched on the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. Now let's talk about. Now let's talk about that because because that has recently come back into the at least the Nancy Drew has recently come back in the spotlight because of the CW TV series, which I think is meant to be a spinoff from Riverdale. I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't actually looked at it. I haven't actually seen it yet because of a marketing snafu. <laughs> because. Really had a chance to sit down and watch. I know it was back in the um, you know, public eye. Are you surprised by Nancy Drew being back in the public? I think it's the perfect time for that. I do think that. I mean, I'm surprised by the timing, but I do think that it is going to work this time. Because I think part of the problem with the um, with the movie from when was it 2011 was that they. Yeah. What they did is they they were trying to jump on the Harry Potter bandwagon when um, Harry Potter was starting to die down again, um, because they was it was, it was released right around the same time as Deathly Hallows Part Two, which was the <laughs> yeah I don't know who, which studio exec decided to make that one. Yeah, I mean you're going against the. You're going against the grand finale of the one of the most beloved series in all time, getting its wrapping up their adaptation, and you're putting in something that hasn't really been talked about since the at least on a widespread basis, really, since the mid '80s. <laughs> what did you expect to happen? Yeah, the mid '80s at the latest. Oh, early. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh yeah. Early. No. Well. As the original series was in the '60s, I think, and then you had the '80s revival, 
I don't know. Um, or reboot or whatever it was. Um, you still had kids reading it like us, but you know it was one of those things where you either knew about it or didn't know about. Yeah, my main exposure to Nancy Drew, at least growing up, was through the um, PC CD-ROM. Um, clicking uh, the I Spy in style, style um, video games that they had. Um, <laughs> yeah, those point and click mystery type things. Those are fun. For some reason, I was really into it. And that might be a big reason why I'm such a mystery reader now because, yeah. you know, between Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, and the Carmen San Diego, I really got into the whole mystery thing. <laughs> Because that, that Carmen San Diego game got worked out thanks to me. The PC game there, the daycare center I used to go to had. Oh, they had. Play, so it was just like, hey, I'll go ahead and do it. Now, I had to ask, was it the one with the Babel, the Tower of Babel, or was it the, or was it one of the other ones? <laughs> it was one of the other ones. Okay, because that was the one I, I came to mind. I so much, my name is probably still... <laughs> Somewhere in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> or it should be. <laughs> Since, yeah, or it should be because yeah. I just played it nonstop, man. That's probably why, you know, I'm such a... But then again, the mystery culture between Ghost Rider, Carmen, CD, they were experiencing a little boom in the 90s, I want to say. Yeah, and they also had a rather um, large proportion of the sub of the um features uh, the featured books on Wishbone were mystery <laughs> novels. That's true. I mean it was you know, they they were just mysteries in general were just kinda of grasping, you know, our age group's attention. I think you know everybody knew who done it. Why do you think Clue is so popular? I mean even that you know, even that board game so yeah. and a lot of daycare centers at the time. Oh, yes. Oh, now, would I say it's number one game? No, I think Monopoly had a, well, for lack of a better word, Monopoly on the, on the uh, board game market at the time because everybody, every daycare center you went to, every house you went to, they probably had Oh, yes. All right. I think... If they didn't have it, they were probably going to get it. Yeah, okay. Like I said, we wanted to keep this one short because we covered so much. Because you don't want to go... Because we're going to probably touch on a couple of these things again at some point in the future, especially if we get guest appearances from various parties who also have fond memories of all this stuff, I'm sure. Um I mentioned Monopoly just now. Don't you worry. A board game themed episode is definitely on the way. If not several. <laughs> because, you know, we, we have so many board games that we like to cover. So I think, you know, in that particular uh, area of pop culture, we definitely want to, um, you know, do several episodes on it. Especially oh, my pog lovers, this this might be the time to you're, you're getting your due. Yeah, we're going to get to that, and um, we talked about you now. We also talked about Pokemon. We're going to have to talk about Pokemon at some point. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's another one that I could say might require 
uh, multiple episodes because you know we can devote one to the card game and then mm-hmm. have another one on the CBC. If not several, because they are because that's one those they've been going for almost thirty years now. <laughs> right, and then we could also you know touch on Pokemon Stadium and the like. We we got to touch on them. We got to touch on the other video game. Yeah, and then you have Pokemon Snap, which is the which is yeah, what Pokemon we can Go. Infamous uh, hate Pikachu, which uh, had several several issues. Oh yes, that was a yeah. And then you had those um and those and all the um, ripoffs and and I'm not counting Digimon in that because Digimon was a separate entity no, outright. Digimon it just happened. I'm not gonna put them in. Yeah, I mean that one just happened to um come out alongside here. They just happened to be. It was like it was like Raw and Nitro. They were going head to head in Japan, and then they also took the world by storm at the same time. It was a complete coincidence. Um, <laughs> hey, I mean, it's kind of like Hunger Games and Diversion, where well, yeah, there are a lot of similarities, but yeah. you can't, that, that really can't be helped. Sometimes you just have some of the things going on at the same time. Yeah. Alright, so I guess we'll end this episode here. Um, and we don't know when we'll get to the Kung Fu. We're going to, we're going to be doing a Kung Fu movie episode at some point. We just don't know when because we have because we decide we're going to hold off on that until we actually watch a couple of them. And yes, for those of you wondering, I'm going to include the Matrix trilogy in that <laughs> category. Oh, yes. That's me. <laughs> Even though it was not dubbed or anything. Or, you know, we might even include the Power Rangers in that episode, so, I mean, it just, it just fits. Yeah, I mean, and, and I have now, I, and, and that was, a, a funny thing about the Power Rangers is that until we were, until both Kyle and myself were in our 20s, and there's a three and a half year gap, so I was 25-ish when, uh, I think I was approaching, um, 23, I just happened to be watching it on Netflix one day, and, um, I was watching the remastered um, version of Monty Morphin that they that they had up there because Nickelodeon was re-airing the old episodes with um, new <laughs> effects. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was always kind of funny to me because it's old footage. Like you look at it, it's like dated. <laughs> yeah, animated. A weird face and uh, for all my. For all my DC lovers, Batman, Superman, we we gonna get to them. Yeah, and the fact that, and if, we're also gonna talk about Jonathan's possible namesake. <laughs> yeah, we we. we. <laughs> yeah, because you know, for those of you, yeah, we'll let you, you know, for those of you listeners, we'll let you do the math and figure that one out because there's only a handful of people I we could possibly be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not talking about the Scottish director. MCU, all my Marvel fans. Y'all definitely gonna get y'all covered. Y'all, y'all just wait. We're, we're just waiting on the right time. And the and, and and that's one of those ones where, especially because of the fact that, especially because of the fact that we're also gonna talk about what our first experiences with IMAX for a um, for what I have to call the civilian market because um, because you have the IMAX theaters um for the vast majority of their existence were exclusively for um those things that you would likely see on. Nova or Cosmos type yeah, <laughs> documentary. Yeah, a bit more of an yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and there are also a few things like uh, like that NASCAR IMAX experience that the late great Paul Heyman narrated. <laughs> um, which I'm saying I missed out on that. I missed out on that whole thing. I, was... I mean, that one can easily be found on DVD and Blu-ray now. But yeah, it was it was definitely fun to go see it and the theater. And it and it was only it's a, it's 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 a glorified short film. I mean, it just barely reaches the point where it could be considered a feature. Um, oh, so it's it's a like you said, it's a short film. It's a yeah, you know, it's a short clip. Forty-five minutes is the runtime. I still don't know why. I mean, I get it at the same time, but I think that for some stuff, you really want to wonder why the why it's always so short. <laughs> you know. Um, NASCAR. We're, we're definitely going to touch on that at some point during this podcast. Yeah, Let's hold off on that NASCAR thing. We're getting YouTube. Yeah, Aaron, baseball. We're well, actually talking about baseball a bit, but what we're going to do, um, we're, we're going to touch on the NFL and possibly the CFL. <laughs> this is very yeah, I mean, couple uh, of things with that we can do. Baseball, this is you know, it's a documentary that we're eventually going to touch on at some point involving baseball cards. We both had to sit down and actually watch the hour and a half long documentary before we get to it. We're definitely going to touch on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that actually we might want to talk about baseball cards in general at some point because that's something that has gone by the wayside thanks to um, internet. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at one point, we couldn't find somebody that didn't have at least one deck of, you know, tops or whatever. Yeah. But, especially the the hologram card, you you know people aren't going to give up that hologram. That's the one card that they will not trade. Yeah, especially if the guy is signed by the person in question. Uh, Yeah, I mean, all you would hear is... Man, let me get your hologram card. Man, I'm not giving it to you. Yeah. Uh-uh, get my last card. Now, did you ever get one of those binders that we have where we put the stuff in there? Did you ever get one of those? Or <laughs> you know, I just never collected enough cards to get one. But I know people that had binders of yeah. numerous, numerous binders of Pokemon cards. And then there were also a few other industries that did their own thing, like 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 Hasbro had entire lines of the damn things. <laughs> And, and they'd be so thick, you'd be sitting there like, you just see people pulling them out. It's just like, how? How do you have the money? You're just, I mean, or how, what is your, what are your Where dad? Where this money from? And it, yeah. You know, how do you keep track of having like three full binders? I could see if, you know, you had one binder that was kind of full, but most people that I know had cars at the time. Yeah. They were stuffed to the gill. Yeah, I mean, then you had those people who had the boxes full of um, comic books, all that, <laughs> and I mean, like, and I mean, several, bo- I mean, like, entire closets full of damn things. It was, it was <laughs> amazing what some people would that, accumulate. That's my uncle for a while. We just had boxes and boxes, just comic books, just everywhere. All right, so yeah, well, it's all in this. Well, in this. Um, Recording, but we will not end the um, Skype call just yet. All right, as I wanted to run an idea by you. Um, all right, so signing off, and hopefully, it's, it's hope, and, and as you know, as always, like, share, subscribe, and if you 
care to leave a review. Yeah. Can't stress this enough. Yeah, wash. Yeah. Wash your hands, wear masks, do what you gotta do. Yeah, even though a lot of places are reopening um, in the next couple of days, um, some of which are more reasonable than others, I will admit. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Better, better to be safe than sorry. That's how I run. Right, okay. So, ending this now. <laughs>